Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a retired NYPD detective and now private security expert. Folks, you know, everybody talks the talk, but this is a guy who's actually walked the walk. 41 years in the NYPD, uh, you know, a gold shield in the 52nd squad in the Bronx, uh, last assigned to do cold case homicides as if he didn't do an, uh, enough real-time homicides. Uh, please join me in welcoming uh, former Detective Mike Palladino to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers show, uh, show. Now, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get to this with, with Mike. Look, everyone, Mike was someone who proudly served the NYPD for 41 years. He was president of the Detectives Endowment Association, which is the largest police detective union nationwide. One day I want to find out what that was like. But he spent most of his career in the Bronx's 43rd and 52nd precinct. Um, what what Mike has is the experience and uh, the knowledge that we need to discuss the latest, which is the Idaho student murders. Uh, this past week on uh, Thursday night, we got a copy of the probable cause affidavit that listed in about 17 or 18 pages what it was that led police to Brian Kohlberger, the defendant now being charged in the quadruple homicides. So, Mike, welcome to the Judge Janine Show. Uh, let, let me just start uh, with with the uh, with the affidavit. What did you think of it? Well, first, let me say thank you for having me on the show. Uh, so, you know, after reading the affidavit, Corporal Payne's affidavit definitely meets the burden of establishing the necessary probable cause. Reading the affidavit, uh, you get an appreciation for the amount of work the investigators had to put in. But more importantly, Judge, uh, I'm sure you would agree, it points out uh, the steps taken by the killer to try and cover his tracks uh, in an attempt, you know, not to get caught. Exactly. And, you know, he did that, uh, Detective Mike Palladino, by turning his phone off around the time that uh, he went to the home of those uh, four students. He turned his phone off, and then it was turned on uh, after he left the vicinity. But, you know, what caught him, there's a couple of things that caught him. One of the things that I thought right off the bat was, if it was as bloody as, as we were hearing, there had to be a shoe print or a footprint of some sort. And sure enough, during the processing of the crime scene, investigators actually found a latent shoe print. It was located during the second processing of the crime scene by the uh, Idaho State Police forensic team uh, by first using a presumptive blood test and then amino black, which is a protein that detects the the presence of cellular material. Um, And it was just outside the door of DM's bedroom. Now, 
for the benefit of those listening, Detective Palladino, DM is the individual who uh, uh, did not get killed, obviously, uh, but opened her door three times and actually took a look or got a look at the murderer. He was dressed in black, all black with a black mask, and all she saw was his bushy eyebrows. Uh, That footprint with blood on it was right in front of her room, which corroborated everything she said. He walked by her, and then he walked out of the uh, out of the house. Why do you think he left her alive? Well, uh, I can only guess at this point, but um, as calculated as this guy was to commit these murders, he also knows that uh, there's a shelf life of time that he's going to be able to just stay in that house. And I think, uh, uh, you know, her opening the door at that at that moment uh, and uh, shocking her. He was probably shocked himself. And um, I think he, he just headed for the door just to exit the crime scene. Um, well, I, I would also say, uh, Judge, and I'm sure you would agree, I think that the key piece of evidence here, the footprint is, of course, is important. Um, uh, but the key piece of evidence uh, as Calculating as this guy was, he left that teeth behind and with his DNA. So everything else could be circumstantial, so to Mm -hmm. speak. But his DNA uh, puts him not only at the at the scene, but in in the bedroom where he killed um, some of these uh, young students, the two girls. Now, what's interesting, Detective Palladino and to all my listeners the detective is absolutely right. You know, when, when DNA first came out, I remember, I mean, I was a prosecutor then. I remember saying, it's a finger of God pointing down and saying you did it. He did protect himself. He was, and we know now from an eyewitness testimony, he was covered literally from head to toe. All she could see were the bushy eyebrows, I guess, in his eyes. But he, there was a, there was some DNA left on the button of the sheath of the knife in the bedroom of the two girls who were sleeping together. So the question is, they had DNA on that button of the sheath. Whose DNA was it? What they ended up doing, detective, they ended up going to uh, Kohlberger's father's house and getting garbage out and connecting the father's DNA to the DNA on the on the tip on that button of the sheath of the knife. Now, I guarantee you that today they actually either have a court order or got a toothbrush or his hairbrush or something else, and they have real direct one-on-one DNA that it was uh, Kohlberger's DNA. But you know what it tells me that she, tell me if I'm wrong, detective, it tells me that the two girls were the first ones that he killed, that if he went in with a knife in the sheath and he took it out, that the two girls were the ones killed first. You would go in the house covering the knife, obviously. And then he went from their bedroom to, uh, uh, I think it's uh, Kaylee and, uh, Zana and Ethan, the boy and the young man and the young girl. Well, uh, you know, without visiting the crime scene and based on what uh, you and I uh, are reading here in the affidavit, I would probably agree with you with that, unless something at the crime scene would indicate differently. But I, I would agree with you there. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about what the police did. And you know what? 
God bless them for what they did. They were called the Keystone Cops. They were on it from day one, Detective Palladino. The Idaho State Police were in that house within four hours of the bodies being found. So they started the forensic analysis very early on. That crime scene was protected. Uh, And then it was good old-fashioned police work. And tell me if I'm wrong. The, they saw, as a result of numerous videos from residents uh, in the area, the white Elantra taking off at a high rate of speed at about 425 in the morning. We believe the murders took place between 404 and 425. And that white Elantra went in a particular direction, and then the, the, the camera stopped. There's a cop who says, I think he's a local cop, he says that uh, from the numerous surveillance videos in the area from residential and business addresses, um, a review of the footage in his mind indicates that the guy driving the Elantra was going in the direction of Washington State. Now, that was a hunch, but it took them in one direction, and then they called the university saying, do you have white Elantras? of anyone in your university. I mean, this is just smart police work. Yes. Uh, you know, the distinct difference uh, between the gumshoe detectives of yesteryear and, yep. and today is, um, is technology. Uh, the, you know, um, we used to just basically rely on, as you said, a footprint, a fingerprint, and, and uh, testimony by witnesses, eyewitnesses. Now you have so much technology that supports uh, the testimony. For instance, I call it the ring of steel, the camera footage that's, that catches the car uh, on the routes that were traveled, the cell phone towers where the cell phone pings, um, Tells you the the route traveled by by the uh, by the cell phone, and then of course the investigators using the te- uh, the technology to establish that the, the routes were the same. The car route and and the cell phone route was all the same. Um, so it's amazing how technology plays its role here in, in really solidifying the case. But uh, Judge, let me ask you. I'm sure you would agree. What I'd like to see established. Mm-hmm. is the motive. I think establishing the motive, what, why this guy did this and, and why to these people, I think that's critical to really help eliminate or, or to get beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, okay, well, no, first of all, I, let me tell you what I think. I think that, you know, I, I'll tell you, Detective, after a while, um, you know, I prosecuted for 32 years, but after a while you say, uh you know, I don't care why they did it. You know, did they do it? Did they do it? Did they kill? And I'll let the shrinks care. But I'll tell you why some, your your question is important in this case. Brian Kohlberger was a criminology student working on his Ph.D. Brian Kohlberger, the accused in the Idaho murder, had actually gone on Reddit and said, if anyone has committed a crime, something to the effect of what did it feel like after you did it? What did it feel like? He was collecting all kinds of information about killers and what they were thinking. And he actually applied for a job with the Pullman Police Department. So to me, 
This is your question is very important because this guy is a criminology student who's trying to figure out maybe doing a thesis for his Ph.D. I don't know if people remember this, but there was Leopold and Loeb. Uh, I think it was at the beginning of the century, two very wealthy students at the University of Chicago who studied criminology. And they made a decision that they were going to kill someone. And I guess test it out or whatever they were looking to do. They killed a 14-year-old, stabbed him to death. They thought, they called it a thrill kill. And they thought they got away with a perfect crime. uh, But, uh, of course, they didn't. And I see this as very similar. I see this as a guy who, based on his actions before, uh, was interested in the mind of of the killer. But more importantly, he targeted these people. And that's where I agree with you. Why? Why? Why did his cell phone ping, ping 12 times before the murder in the vicinity of that cell phone tower? And, Detective, do we know what span that cell phone tower covers? Um, no, I, um, I don't think I could. Uh, I don't think we can glean that from the affidavit. Yeah, I, I didn't see it either. But. He was smart enough to turn off the cell phone when he went in to kill them. He was smart enough to take off. He five days later changed the plates as he's traveling across country. And they knew it was him as he was traveling across country. It's it's really a fascinating, fascinating case. But unfortunately, the parents had to go through it. Um, And uh, it's just a sad, sad situation. Uh, Well, you know, Your Honor. Well, um, when you talk about the plate, now that was another attempt to uh, shield himself. But to me, I, I, I'm starting to um, question the dad's involvement in this. You know, what did he know? Did he know anything? Um, because it's my understanding he flew out to Idaho to drive back to Pennsylvania uh, with his son. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, being the father of five, I could uh, I could understand uh, you know that to some degree, especially with younger college students, but not not a twenty eight year old. The first question I would have asked my son is, why did you change the plate on the car? Um, he changed the plate, I believe, when they got back to, I'm not sure, five days after the the murders. He was still in Washington State. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know the plate. I believe it was was due to expire at the end of November anyway, November 30th. But, um, yeah, he did. He changed that plate five days uh, after the homicides. So um, that that would be a question I would ask one of my children. uh, Why why did you change the plate and register the car uh, in, in Washington? Okay, and I've got a question for you, Detective Mike Palladino. Uh, When they were driving across country, the father and the son, everybody was talking about a white Elantra. And kudos to the FBI. You know, I've been critical of the FBI. When they get involved in politics, they are they're out of control. But when they focus on what they do best, which is crime, they are the best. The FBI database got a look at the the snowy look at the uh, uh, video of the car taking off, and they were finally able to identify White Elantra what year, I think it was 2014 or 15. 
Um, that was in everybody's discussion. Did the father not say to the son, hey, you hear about the Idaho murders, which is 10 miles from where you live, and the guy had a white Elantra, and we're driving across country after you changed your plates in a white Elantra? You know, I got real problems with the father. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. There was so much publicity on this case. I think uh, everyone from coast to coast knew that uh, the police were looking for uh, a white Elantra connected to this particular case. And you are 100 percent right. His son was going to school 10 miles away and uh, I he knew his son had a white Elantra. And then uh, when the, when the son sh- he shows up there and the son has the, the plates changed. I, you know, uh, this is um, well, this is the work that the, the, the investigators still have to do. They still have mm-hmm. a lot of loose ends to tie up here, uh, and I'm sure they will. And, um, and we'll, we'll see how this plays out. All right. And one last thing. I think this is so important. We know that the, the criminal always returns to the scene of the crime. Brian Kohlberger returned to the scene of the crime based upon his phone records and I believe um, his, the, the car records between 9.12 a.m. and 9.21 local time, hours after the students were slain, before the police were even called. He was out there checking out his crime scene. Sick mother, sick mother, this guy. But not insane, not insane. Anyway, Detective Mike Palladino, thanks so much for joining us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. We look forward to talking to you again as this case goes through the system. Oh, thank you very much for having me. All right, Detective. And everyone, never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it. By donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will gavel out with my closing argument. It's all coming up here on the Red Apple Audio Network. It's the Judge Jeanine Show. Janine Pirro here. Do you have a longtime IRA or 401k? If so, maybe you're like other smart Americans who want to protect their money with a gold IRA. And if that's so, you should know about a very special company I trust, Augusta Precious Metals. They're different. They'll even discourage a gold IRA if it's not good for you. No pressure, just facts. You see, our government has lost control of the economy and devalued our dollars. That's serious for retirees because there's no time to make up shortfalls, but you can do something to protect your money. If you've saved at least $100,000, please ask about a free one-on-one web conference with Augusta Precious Metals for private information about the economy and gold IRAs. Take action now. Call Augusta Precious Metals at 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you to sign up for that web conference and they'll pay your fees for up to 10 years. That's Augusta Precious Metals at 877-4-GOLD-IRA. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 